Welcome to Catholic Living, a podcast that seeks to be a user's guide to the Catholic faith, where we boldly ask, what if this stuff is all true? How then should we live? This is brought to you by Excorde at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. I'm Tom Hoops. I'm writer-in-residence here at the college. You can read what I write at alatea.org or excorde.org. And I want to talk today about New Year's resolutions, because soon we'll be writing 2022 on checks. It'll be a whole new year. We'll have a new slate to start all over and begin again. Finally do all the things and be the person we wanted to be before, but couldn't. And so we'll make some New Year's resolutions and we'll break them right away. And then I'll give some advice for what we do then also. But for my New Year's resolutions, I wanted to promote what Ex Corde has been promoting all along. And what Benedictine College has been promoting all along. We say community, faith, and scholarship can transform culture in America. Well, you know what? It can actually transform culture in your life. It can transform the culture of your life. Community, faith, and scholarship is a shorthand way of expressing the Benedictine way of life. Benedictines transformed civilization by building communities that were safe houses on the road for people who were engaged in commerce, who could stop by and be guests in their houses. And they were the basis of communities that grew up around the abbeys. They preserved the faith by bringing liturgy into the world, by uh, creating the liturgy of the hours, by changing the rhythm of our day and the rhythm of our year to match the rhythm of our faith. And the Benedictine way is also a way of scholarship. As we know, the Benedictines preserved Western civilization by transcribing the great works of antiquity, by founding the first schools, by passing the intellectual life on to generation after generation. Well, that's how it works on the macro level or how it worked in Europe. How does it work on the micro level? How does it work in your life? Well, let's start with community first. And uh, basically, the resolution here is to find people who will help build your true identity. Become who you are, St. John Paul II said. Who you are is a person in community. You're a son, you're a daughter, you're a husband, you're a wife, you're a mother, you're a father, you're an aunt or an uncle, you're a neighbor, you're a friend. Without a community, you don't exist. And without a faith community, your faith disappears. What is Christianity? Is it a system of belief where I have a personal relationship with Jesus apart from anybody else? Or is it a church? Is it a community of people that Jesus Christ founded and called to himself who together worship Jesus? Pope Benedict XVI in his God is Love encyclical famously said, being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty ideal, but the encounter with an event, a person who gives new horizon and decisive direction to your life. The real novelty of the New Testament lies not so much in new ideas as in the figure of Christ himself who gives flesh and blood to these concepts. So how do Christians encounter Christ? Well, I love this quote from Acts Acts of the Apostles, which tells the story of the early church. And it says in a sentence what the Christian life was in the very beginning. 
Those who accepted his message were baptized. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and the communal life, to the breaking of the bread, and to the prayers. Through a ritualistic baptism, they were accepted into a community of people. They devoted themselves to the community of the apostles, and they took place in communal life. That included the Eucharist, the breaking of the bread, which brought them into unity with each other and with Christ. In other words, they had to accept a whole community to accept Jesus Christ. Well, it's the same in your life and the same in your new year. I'm not me without other people. I've found that out again and again. The Tom Hoops who gets up and prays and decides which mass to go to fades fast when I'm all alone on the road. The doting dad Tom Hoops who conscientiously keeps the kids on task is a lot less doting and conscientious when April Hoops is away. We are really like the velveteen rabbit in that other people make us real. Only when we love and are loved in a community of people do we really become who we are. So that makes it incumbent on you in this new year to find a community. It could be a new community that you haven't met yet. It could be an imperfect community that you're already a part of. It could even, in a pinch, be an online community if that's where you need to start. The first place to look is, of course, your family. If you have a family that bolsters your faith, that's the first place to look to form community. You may have a family that drags you away from the faith, in which case your New Year's resolution needs to be to moderate and adapt your time with them. Maybe you only say the rosary when your parents are visiting, so visit your parents more if you want to say the rosary more. Or maybe you only skip the rosary when your parents are visiting, so maybe find some way to introduce your parents to the rosary or find some way to say the rosary when they're not around. Maybe you have friends on social media who tend to drag you away from the faith. They tend to post things or take you down a rabbit hole into topics that you don't need to spend so much time with. Maybe you have some friends on social media who are the kind who bolster your faith. Maybe they take you and introduce you to things that you never thought about and bring you to places of prayer. Well, you can moderate which ones you hear more from and which ones you hear less from in your settings. You have to find some way, however, to have a community of faith so that your faith will remain stronger in the new year than it was in the last. There's a couple of very simple ways to do this. There's now in the church a lot of opportunities to make friends or at least have acquaintances who are in the faith. Uh, At my parish here in Atchison, Kansas, there's a That Man Is You group. There was a Great Adventure Bible Study group. We have Teams of Our Lady groups. And these are groups that get people together to talk about the faith. They're almost like foolproof ways to get men to open up about important topics, uh, which we wouldn't open up about otherwise. So those are great things to join. There are also Knights of Columbus groups. There are Rotary Clubs or other local groups that have a more social focus and um, but those are great places to make friends. One thing you need to be careful of in committing to community in the new year is don't let entertainment media script what friendships have to look like. We aren't in high school anymore. 
You don't need to have charming, good-looking friends like the people on the show Friends. You don't need funny, wild and crazy friends like on The Office. Uh, you certainly don't need friends like those on the British version of The Office. You don't need friends like on the show Outer Banks with a bunch of beach-combing treasure hunters. You don't need special friends. You just need friends. You're an adult now. Your friends don't have to be perfect. Uh, they just need to be in the faith if you want them to help you build your faith in the new year. And the way to have friends is to love them. This is something my mom taught me when I was um, very young. She said, don't worry about having friends. All you have to do is when they tell you about something that's important in their life, ask them about it later. <laughs> if they say that they're going to do something over the weekend, offer to help them with that thing. In other words, my mother was telling me, you have to care about people and you have to love and serve them and then they'll be your friend. So for your New Year's resolution, try to either build up those friends in your life that will help you with your faith or de-emphasize those friends in your life who drag you away from the faith. Speaking of the faith, the second thing in the community faith and scholarship triad is faith. You, you may have noticed in your real life, if you stop talking to a friend, that person quickly becomes a stranger to you. If you stop going to the meetings of one of these clubs, the meetings quickly become odd and you feel out of place there. If you stop talking to your wife, she will leave you in her heart and mind and perhaps in real life by walking away if you just stop talking to her without explaining why. Well, I hate to be the one to say it, but if you stop talking to Jesus, he too will become a stranger. He too will walk away. You might as well hate him as stop talking to him. He's just as real as your wife. He's just as real as your friend. It's hard to exaggerate how important a prayer life really is. Who was the saint who said that if you pray sincerely for 15 minutes a day, you will surely be saved? And if you don't pray sincerely for 15 minutes a day, you surely won't? Again, this is not a mind trick. We don't pray in order to train our brains to believe something impossible. If you decided to start regularly talking to the invisible pink unicorn for the next year, you won't start believing in the invisible pink unicorn because there's no such thing. There is a God, and our faith in him grows through prayer the way our faith in our grandma grows through talking to our grandma. So for your New Year's resolution, you need to set a daily prayer routine and cling to it the way you would cling to a rope if you were caught in quicksand. You would cling to it for your dear life because otherwise you'll be sunk in the morass of sin that will smother you because that's exactly what will happen if you don't have a prayer life. If you can get yourself in front of the Blessed Sacrament every day, all the better. Jesus is truly there, and the difference between being in his real presence and not is kind of like the difference between being home alone and being home when somebody else is in the house. It's a very subtle difference, but it's total, and it changes everything. If there's no Blessed Sacrament exposed in a monstrance, the uh, tabernacle will do. It's exactly the same presence. Uh, if it's impractical to go to the chapel with a tabernacle, pray at your bedside or by the crucifix on your wall or the sacred heart picture in the dining room, which is what I do. Almighty God has no trouble reaching you in your house if you're not able to make it to the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, 
The only way he has trouble reaching you is if you blow him off. So this resolution is simple. Pray every day. And I would even specify pray every morning first thing. If I don't pray first thing in the morning, then it's a crapshoot whether I'll get to it or not that day. I'll usually try to find some way to do it, but if I do it first thing, then I'm committed. I know it's going to happen. There are several ways to do it, and I've used all of these ways. One is to get the Magnificat. If you want to order that, and they have a morning prayer that's very brief there, but then they also have the gospel reflection every day. So read those. Those are great. You can get Bishop Barron's gospel reflections in your email, uh, probably at Word on Fire. You can um, get the Divine Mercy Reflections that quote from St. Faustina's diary every day. I think my wife signed me up for that. I don't remember how I got that, but I was doing that for a while. Get a book that has a quote a day from somebody who you admire or somebody whose way of thinking you want to adopt more. I did this with Pope Benedict, and that was phenomenal. There's a book, I think Magnificat puts it out, of his uh, reflections every day. There's St. Therese of Lisieux, there's John Paul II, there's Mother Teresa, or simply just open your Bible to the gospel and read a paragraph every morning and reflect on it and imagine yourself in the scene. At excorde.org, under prayer resources, we have everything you need to go through the ABCs of prayer each day, and I'll give you the particulars of that whole method in a future podcast. But whatever you do, talk to Jesus every single day. Do it first thing so that you won't get lost in the day. And what I do is I always deny myself whatever I want to do in the morning until I've prayed. I, well, I usually get the coffee first, but I won't allow myself breakfast until I've prayed. I won't allow myself to check social media until I've prayed. I don't allow myself to open my email until I've prayed. Uh, I don't allow myself to do any of those things I want to do to start my day until I've done the most important thing of the day, and that's talk to Jesus Christ. The last area for New Year's resolutions is scholarship. You must feed the faith you have in your heart with your reason. If your faith doesn't touch your intellect, it's like kitsch art or kitty music. It's sometimes sweet and sentimental, but ultimately silly and insubstantial. So just like you don't listen to the wheels on the bus in your car, you shouldn't keep your faith at a level where it was when you were a small child. So you have to find the right spiritual reading that can stimulate your brain and connect what you feel in your heart to what you know in your head. You can start with Michael Kelly. He has some great books that are um, kind of more beginner level uh, spirituality and theology. You can uh, read Scott Hahn, who's very accessible. I love Brant Petrie, especially his book, The Case for Jesus, which I think every Christian should read. Or listen to St. Paul Center's videos or Father Mike Schmitz's videos or Bishop Robert Barron's videos or go to the Augustine Institute or Catholic Answers or watch EWTN or read the National Catholic Register, read Alatea.org, read Excorde.org. Also, you know, check out Sophia Institute Press and Ignatius Press and other kind of trusted Catholic book publishers. You should even kind of catch up on some of the classics of apologetics if you haven't read them. Read C.S. Lewis's apologetics works, Mere Christianity and Miracles and the others, uh, or G.K. Chesterton's Everlasting Man and Orthodoxy. 
great, great books. Or St. Francis de Sales, Introduction to the Devout Life, very, very readable. Or St. Therese of Lisieux's Story of a Soul, her autobiography. Or start with the excellent Sermon in a Sentence series that has uh, kind of quotes from some of the greats like Thomas Aquinas and St. Catherine of Siena. Uh, just little quotes, and you can kind of read one a day and ponder them in your prayer as part of the ABCs, which I will talk about in a future podcast. But remember, the Catholic you is made of community, prayer, and study. Without them, you'll disappear into video games, bad movies, and who knows what. So it's all well and good to make New Year's resolutions, but if you're like me, you know that you're probably going to fail in your New Year's resolution. So what I have is a sort of uber New Year's resolution that tries to motivate me for self-control, because what we're really talking about here is self-control. As Matthew Kelly said, the opposite of self-control is slavery. In other words, doing whatever I want isn't freedom, it's slavery to whatever I want. In baptism, we renounce slavery to Satan and embark on a new life of freedom. In death, we are judged on whether our freedom served God or ourselves. But it's really, really hard. As St. Paul said, freedom of Christ is difficult because the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh to prevent you from doing what you would. So here are my kind of three motivations for self-control. And I actually think of them this way. It's he, we, and me. Okay. So he is Jesus Christ. We is my family and my community. And me is Tom Hoops. So how do you use he as a motivation for self-control? Well, it's easy. You can't play games with God. Here you're dealing with God. You're not dealing with somebody who will fall for your charm or be tricked by your sort of half measures into thinking you did more than you did. No, he knows exactly who you are and exactly what you're doing. When you come to heaven, you will either be the kind of person who feels at home there, who has lived his life such that being in the presence of Jesus Christ and his saints for an eternity will be a positive thing, or you will be the kind of person who has trained your mind such that being in the presence of Jesus Christ and all of his saints for eternity will be a negative thing. If you're the former, you'll be welcomed into heaven. If you're the latter, then you won't even want to step into heaven, and you'll go to a very, very bad place. As the psalmist said, Lord, you have searched me, you know me, all of my ways are familiar to you. And that's exactly why you need to have self-control, because you can't play games with God. You can't trick him. I was recently convicted by a Facebook meme that somebody posted that said, what is it that you won't give up even for God? What is that thing that you won't give up even for God? You know what you need to do. You know you can't hide it. You have to be honest and you have to actually give it up. Jesus Christ on the cross, if you want to look there for motivation, gave up everything for you. And he didn't want to. He said, not my will, but yours be done. Let this cup pass from me. And he said to us, he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So how are you ever going to take up your cross and follow Jesus if you can't skip a piece of cake for him? 
how are you ever going to put yourself in harm's way for your faith, for your family, for your friends, if you can't even save money for God? How are you ever going to be the person you want to be if you can't stop playing video games, if you can't stop drinking, if you can't stop smoking, if you can't stop spending mindless time online? I try to be thankful for the small crosses I'm given where I can give up something relatively simple, skipping a drink, skipping binge watching time. If it irritates me to do it, all the better. That'll prepare me to do far worse and to be able to honestly face Jesus Christ and say, I gave it all to you. So first think of he, Jesus Christ, as motivation for your New Year's resolution. Next, think of we. We're used to thinking about health, for instance, in all the wrong ways. Our health isn't primarily for ourselves. In fact, if it's all about ourselves, it's unbalanced. The Catechism says in 2289, if morality requires respect for the life of the body, it does not make it an absolute value. It rejects a neo-pagan notion that tends to promote the cult of the body, to sacrifice everything for its sake, to idolize physical perfection and success at sports. So our health is not for ourselves to be a perfect version of ourselves. Our health is for others, for those who count on us for service, for provision, or for evangelization. God put us here to serve the people in our communities, whether it's our house or our workplace. And they count on our physical well-being, so we should eat and drink in moderation. They count on our emotional well-being, so we shouldn't be addicted to social media. They count on our moral well-being, so we shouldn't indulge in sinful curiosity online. So you know who you're supposed to be, the friend, spouse, parent, volunteer, or apostle Jesus Christ needs. And you need to give up those things that prevent you from being that person. So he is our first motivation. We is our second. And we can also be not just a motivation, but a help. So if you struggle with something in your personal life, something that you have to isolate yourself to do, whether it be online shopping, whether it be gaming, online curiosity, whether it be drinking, whatever it is, the first method of defense against that thing is to walk away from wherever you are isolated and go where other people are and engage with them. They are your first line of defense against the problems that you find within yourself. And yourself is the last motivation that you want in order to learn self-control in your life. So you do it for he, you do it for we, you also do it for me. You do it for me because you have to be a model for others as we saw, but also because moral compromise leaves you depressed, anxious, and unhappy. You know, the, the best psychological advice is to stop spending so much time worried about yourself and start spending that time trying to help somebody else get better. There are two futures available for each of us. One is to live an excellent life of holy effort that gives glory to God. The other is to surrender to comfort and selfishness while doing the bare spiritual minimum. The only way to live the first is to start controlling the things that derail you. In fact, the only way to begin is to start with one thing, beat it, and then move on to another. So as you decide to do your New Year's resolutions, try to build them around community, try to build them around faith, try to build them around scholarship, do them for Jesus, do them for your community and for others, and do them for yourself. 
And last of all, put all your efforts in the hands of Jesus Christ. Remember, he is the one who can turn every bad thing into something good, every failure into a success. Saints aren't those who did everything perfectly. Saints are those who made resolutions, failed at them, and then tried again. If you fail your resolution, try a reduced version of it. Beg God for the grace of self-control and then be ready to let him do the work that he needs to do. And know that he will forgive you again and again as you fail. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Hoops, and this is the Catholic Living Podcast produced by Excorde at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. Our mission is to produce media that will transform culture in America through Benedictine's mission of community, faith, and scholarship. Visit us at excorde.org.